This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the On Enquirer podcast. Derek Piper and Jeremy Warner here and Illinois. After beating the number two team in the country at Madison Square Garden, comes home, sleepy Saturday, 74-59 loss to Penn State. We asked Brad Underwood how he felt about this, and he just did. Actually made a fart noise into the microphone. Yeah, one of the most fiery press conferences we've seen from Brad Underwood. He is questioning leadership. He is questioning effort. Uh, He said two of the worst days of practice that he has seen. Boy, Brad Underwood came out firing on his team. That has shown Derek that it can beat anybody in the country, but also has shown that it can dig itself a hole and lose to anyone. Not that Penn State. Penn State's a good uh, Big Ten basketball team. But you and I kind of talked about this after the Madison Square Garden game. Um, 11 a.m. tip-off against a program that is getting better under Micah Shrewsbury, but still known as a bottom-half Big Ten team. You wondered how this team would respond, and it was fart noises uh, for Illinois, basically up and down the roster outside of the freshmen. I thought you were disappointed with basically everybody who played. So what do you think? There were the signs of this being a trap. Like you mentioned, a sleepy Saturday coming off beating number two, and Penn State just doesn't move the needle a ton when you just look at the schedule and you're like, oh, okay, it's it's Penn State, a, a Big Ten game. I, I think that one thing that made me push back on it was, well, you have a sellout crowd, and number two, you really don't want to start 0-2 in Big Ten play. But you could tell from the very jump that Illinois defensively was making way too many mistakes they were not locked in, and, and Penn State was getting open threes, and that's what they do. They live and die by the three-point jumper. They felt confident early on. This was a team on the, the Penn State side that had a fire under them because they had lost two, two in a row. They lost their Big Ten opener at home to, to Michigan State, and throughout the course of the game, Illinois was just was just terrible defensively. Uh, I thought that their switching was pretty problematic, and sometimes it wasn't even switching. It was just getting in the air on them. They jumped on every shot fake imaginable, it seemed like, and Andrew Funk went full Nick Stauskas 2014 here when Stauskas hit seven threes, he hit six. And then, yeah, Illinois vets got benched for a good portion there in the second half. And Brad really angry at Terrence Shannon, who has not been the same player since getting hit in the eye at Maryland. I imagine some of that factors in. But, of course, Brad feels like his leadership is lacked and maybe his focus and, and just preparation. And Myers sat for a good stretch. RJ, who also got hit in the eye or above the eye in this game, but it was a wake-up call. And, and look, going into the year, this team being volatile and being up and down and showing, like, on one night they look like they can win a national championship, and on the next night they look like they have a ton of things to figure out, and it's a team that is still piecing things together. That's not surprising. I just thought that for the crowd, the avoiding 0-2 in the Big Ten, and, and for a team that I felt like was ahead of the curve, this was a step back today. Brad Underwood said he sensed it when the schedule came out. They're playing at Madison Square Garden, Jimmy V. Class against a top 10 team uh, in Texas. And then you have Penn State Saturday morning at 11 a.m. And he thought, 
all the respect to Penn State, which Micah Shrewsbury is a really good coach. They're an old team with some really good players. Funk, what a transfer addition he's been for them. And boy, they can get hot from three. So, so I do think there's a Penn State team that's got a chance uh, to make the NCAA tournament, even if you know the last couple games they haven't quite looked like that. But even if we think this could be predictable or that Illinois was going to lose some games early on, Derek, that it shouldn't lose, it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it uh, not inexcusable, which Brad Underwood used that word over and over again. If this team wants to win a championship, which 0-2 to start the Big Ten play is not a good start for a Big Ten championship, even if you have a favorable schedule, even if it is early on in the season. And for a team that wants to win four games in a row to get to a Final Four, you have to be consistent. And that's why I think Brad Underwood was trying to make a statement in the second half by benching Matt Meyer, who for all this good offense, was terrible on defense today. R.J. Melendez, we've talked about consistent toughness and focus out of him. He's forgetting plays uh, right out of a timeout. Like, he, that can't happen for a veteran. And then T.J. Shannon, where are you? Like, I, I understand you take a hit to the head, that can, that can affect things. They needed him to assert himself, and he never did. He was lucky he got overtime against Texas to assert himself, and he did that. And then Coleman Hawkins, I saw his decision-making on offense at times, and at times defensively, he's got to be the guy pointing guys in the right direction, and you need leadership out of him. He's new to that role. And how, how do you do that? How do you do that consistently? I think he's figuring it out. But Brad Underwood made a statement by playing three freshmen on the court at the same time that helped them get that run. They weren't able to score enough during it, Derek. But then he made a statement afterwards and calling out publicly over and over again his team's lack of leadership and toughness and effort. And it even led to a fart noise when asked about T.J. Shannon's leadership. So I'm wondering how that resonates in the locker room. But Brad Underwood's challenging his team right now because he thinks it's necessary. I get it. You don't have Trent Frazier in there. You don't have DeMonte. You don't have Kofi and Io and the, the guys that, well, you have a talented squad and, and some that have been around the block, even in Meyer and Shannon. This this team has not been together through especially adversity like this early on in this season. So going to find out about them. I thought this was a game that would show the character of this team, at least early on. Is, are they going to be someone that gets a little too full of themselves, gets a little too comfortable? Do they bring? Are they everyday guys, quote-unquote, and Brad doesn't like what he's seeing yet? I, and look, these, these guys are human, and uh, I'm not excusing what we saw today because that is the recipe of a, of a dangerous result at the end of your season because I think you make a great point. We could talk about does this team – people are going to have different opinions on the value of another Big Ten title – the, the big goal was a deep run in March, yeah. and you got to win. you got to be consistent enough to win four games in a row, six games in a row to, to actually cut down the nets. And right now, Illinois is a little too up and down. Even in the games that they've won, they've dug themselves huge holes. Well, let's think about this. In high major games that they have played, they had a double-digit deficit to UCLA, a double-digit deficit to Virginia. Now, that was late in the game. A double-digit deficit to Texas, a double-digit deficit to Maryland, yes. a double-digit deficit to Penn State, yes. right? Like, this is – happening over and over again and sure they've shown enough Derek that they can overcome it but if another team doesn't make enough mistakes during those runs if you don't play elite because they had a chance to really tie up that game and they just weren't able to score enough because it wasn't a great offensive group you had Sky, Sincere, Ty all on the court together um, you, you that's not a recipe for success this team has to be more consistent even in games even if it shows enough ability to overcome some of those things. 
Right. I mean, there was a, a situation where Maryland could have blown you off the floor. Same thing with UCLA. Now, that's not to take away from what Illinois did to fight back in those games. And the same thing with Texas, where they looked dead in the water there in the second half. And being able to turn things up defensively. And you just want to see them, number one, not have so many ugly stretches offensively, which we saw there. I mean, for them to score 59 points, 21 in the second half, that's, that's pretty poor. And part of that is Shannon never took over, never ignited the offense. And then you could just pinpoint – a number of guys. I mean, Matthew Meyer had it going early, and it looked like uh, a fast start for Fasting Matt. But yeah, I mean, he had a stretch there where he had a couple of oh nos, or a bad air ball three, and then tried to back a guy down, over dribbled, turnover, led to an open three for for Dread, and that was kind of the storyline of the game was just uh, breakdowns defensively, even sometimes Illinois' lack of execution on offense, putting them in kind of a scramble mode on their on their recovery back defensively. So yeah, it's it's something where Illinois still has to to figure out consistency, cohesion, obviously leadership. And uh, I think this is a great teaching moment because for as talented as you are and as how how high upside this team is, you don't just get to show up in the Sweet 16. Yep. You don't get to be like, yeah, we're one of the best 16 teams out there. We just show up there. Loyola, Loyola, early tip, yep. a team you overlooked. I know there was other stuff as far as coaching, schematics, and we could even get into that some, which I thought got exploited today. Um, you don't get to just do that, and that's yeah. something that is a warning sign. Underwood said, um, one of the players in the locker room after the game said, we just lost to Penn State. That's a bad That's a bad way of looking at these things. And I could speculate who I think that was, but you can't have that outlook in the Big Ten, especially from a Penn State team that's always been tough, whether it was Pat Chambers or now you got Micah Shrewsbury, who's a phenomenal coach. I want to get in the X's and O's of this, Derek, because we didn't get much of that from Underwood. I know you asked about it, uh, but that was a problem in this game as well. You can't do that, even if it's Northwestern, even if it's one of these teams you don't expect to go to the NCAA tournament. Maybe you could do that against Minnesota. That's about it in this league. This league is too deep, too good, too well coached to show up and think you're going to win. But it's a natural reaction to a team that just beat the number two team in the country. If they would have won today, it probably would have been a top 10 team in the country. And it was probably a needed wake-up call of what is needed to achieve your goals. Again, not surprising, but but surely disappointing. Definitely disappointing, and you do sacrifice some of the momentum. And then even just you think about resume standpoint, you, you look the early part of the schedule, obviously Texas and UCLA are wins they're going to really stand out, but a home loss to Penn State, not a good one. Yeah. I mean, that's one that I'm imagining quad two loss, and I do think Penn State has a, a solid squad, and that they could be feisty in this league. They're going to be one that they can – hit double-digit threes on somebody, and they're just – they're different. They're different than other teams in the league when they don't have the size up front. They want to play small ball. I started Miles Dredd six foot four at the five, and that was an interesting wrinkle. I just thought Micah Shrewsbury, on that note, I think he's a really good coach. I think that that as far as playing to Illinois switching, getting Jalen Pickett in some good matchups, and they did a good job of being able to attack Illinois and exploit them a little bit. and. We can dive into yeah. some of the adjustments there. But, yeah, this is a deep Big Ten. And whether it's – I mean, you can go on down the line. Whether you're home or away, Rutgers can come in here, Wisconsin, you name it. And that can be a team you can't be sleepy against and look past. And the Big Ten is a grind, but you got to be able to get that mentality of got to show up every night and do it. And, well, you know, it showed today that you've had a bunch of guys that haven't been, especially the focal points of teams in the Big Ten that have, have gone through that grind. Uh, before we get to the X and O's part of this, I, I just think it was really telling when you had Sky Clark, Jaden Epps, Sincere Harris, Dane Danger, and I, I 
Ty Rogers was mixing into that group. Brad thought those guys were playing hard. He really talked about sincere. He's the one guy we can count on to play hard every day, and that, that includes practice. Um, so I would imagine this week off is going to be pretty intense practice-wise, uh, but they need more from TJ Shannon, RJ Melendez, Coleman Hawkins. You know, Matthew Meyer is kind of an X factor, but I think those guys especially, Shannon, Hawkins, Melendez, uh, they need more from. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But Derek, let's talk about the X's and O's part of this. Defensively, they were carved up. This was a top 12 team, Ken Palm, defensive efficiency coming in, one of the better teams in, in limiting three-point field goals. And we thought, you know, coming in Penn State, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, number one in the Big Ten, shoot 40%. They got shooters all over the court. They spread you out. But we thought Illinois' length, its switching, could really do well against Penn State. It was quite the opposite. Why was that? I think their switching can still be problematic at times. We saw it against Maryland where you get Sky Clark on Dante Scott or obviously Jaden Epps, and that really forced rotations for Illinois where they got to cheat off the corners, and they were able to just kick it out to open shooters. Akeem Hart got a number of open threes because Illinois had to then help. They switched themselves into a bad matchup. Now, the switching pre- present a lot of advantages too, yes, because it, it takes away your – you're driving lanes in the pick and roll, or all of a sudden you're not getting that angle to the basket. You're just switched onto a guy who's who's man up with you. But I, I think that that is something that even just whether you think switching is a switching everything all the time is a good um, mode. You, you just got to be cleaner with them. You got to they had some com- communication issues. There's one time where Shannon and Meyer, uh, Shannon was on Pickett and Meyer was on somebody whoever set the screen. Both guys went with the screener, and Pickett, who already had a fantastic first half, just drives down the lane all by himself, and that's a communication issue that needs to be cleaned up. I think Illinois off the ball doesn't do a great job with shooters uh, and being able to stick with them. So uh, I think that you're just going to have to be able to make the evaluation of do we switch everything all the time? Do, do, are there times where you look at a matchup like Shannon on – on Pickett or it, maybe it's RJ, whoever it is, whoever you want guarding that certain player, can you say, we're going to leave him on an island and maybe switch everything else or whatever it might be. There's going to be some of those matchups that when the opposing side know you're going to switch everything, it's just like that in the NBA. And Shrewsbury has been a coach with the Celtics for five or six years on Brad Stevens' staff. You can switch yourself into the matchups you want. They did that with Pickett, and they're able to exploit Illinois on that side. Yeah, and Pickett, at some point you thought, do they have to double-team him, especially towards the end of the second half. Now that leaves you to rotations and making sure you know the scouting report and, hey, you got to stick on dread and funk, right? Like, 
this team is are they reliable enough to do those things it didn't seem like brad underwood uh quite trusted that today but that is the next step Derek, because maryland penn state the two big 10 teams you've played you have not played good defense against either of those teams no and i think transitions hurt you too when you get illinois back in scramble mode and they're trying to to find a way to stop the ball which they haven't done the best job of the initial guy that pushes the ball up the floor he gets deep in the paint that defense collapses and and they either don't get matched up or someone has to show help and you give up open threes and that was a huge problem against maryland which really got that building on fire and penn state had a couple of moments today where they just were able to to push it up and, and get open threes and i, I think i know that in the chat, which we'll get to more of these questions or, or comments, one noted that just the help defense, sometimes they're caught in no man's land where the guy from the corner is wants to come and help, but he's in caught it. He doesn't get all the way there. So it's not a double team or a trap. And then it's not, you're not sticking to the guy outside when you kick it out. So, uh, and then I think there were even times when Illinois was matched up fine. You just, you just jumped at a shot fake. And all of a sudden it's a sidestep and a three that, that Funk hit plenty of, Dread hit those. and. Uh, I think even you look offensively too. When Illinois needs one, do, do they run enough action to like dictate where they want to go? Sometimes it just looks like freelance basketball, which there's a there's a benefit to that at times because it's hard to scout, it's hard to to stop when you have so many skilled guys that can just play make. But sometimes Illinois just once again isolates too much, over dribbles, and it's just real. Uh, it's not it's not structured enough and cohesive enough offensively. I don't think they're consistent enough offensively to to come close to a a Big Ten championship right now. Like, I, I still think they can be really good defensively, but the lows they get into offensively are are really problematic. Of course, the defensive side of the ball is is the story today because. I mean, Penn State was on its way to scoring more points than any opponent Illinois has played to, uh, this year. Shot 50%. That's the most Illinois has given up this year. 12 three-pointers, the most Illinois has given up this year. Um, and it's just an ugly game. But 8 of 26 from the field offensively in the second half. I think some of that was on the lineups they were using. But Brad Irwin needed to get stops. But at some point, it feels like T.J. Shan's got to go get you one. And he was able to do that in overtime. Um, what do you see him from him the last two games of, of regulation, Derek? Because he is an NBA talent, but the assertiveness has not been there. He needs to shoot more than seven shots in a game, even if it's just 26 minutes. Hasn't been able to get downhill as much. Haven't seen him out in transition, and that's been something where Illinois hasn't – you get four fast break points today. That's not nearly enough, and it's hard to get out on the break when you're not getting enough stops. So, obviously, that goes hand-to-hand -hand there, but uh, that's where – TJ has been able to get some of his points in the open floor, but there's no doubt in the half court, even be able to get downhill. Now, Texas is one of the best defensive teams in the country for a reason. Even Maryland, pretty athletic, physical team, didn't allow him to get to the hoop as easily. So uh, I think that that's something that, again, he hasn't been the same dude after taking the hit against Maryland, but even in that first half against the Terps, like before that, he was not able to assert himself in that game, whether it's you need to be able to run him off – some some pick and rolls and, and give him that angle or uh, whatever it is, but yeah, he's got to look for his more. He's airballed now five shots in the last three games. Uh, the three ball hasn't been going for him either. Yeah, since UCLA, by the way, he's eight of thirty-five uh, from the three-point line. So that's five, six games now that it's taken to match how many threes he made uh, against UCLA. We knew that wasn't going to continue, but you need him to be a 35% three-point shooter. I mean, he's a career 38% three-point shooter. I know he's higher usage this year, so it might come down. need him to be better there, but he's just not getting the looks 
uh, he was earlier in the year. And that's that's yeah. better teams, better scouting, better athletes. Yeah, scouting for sure. You're, you're going to be at the top of the scouting report of don't give him open looks, and maybe it speaks to some guys not being able to break the defense down enough to, to free him up. But uh, I think there's there's also going to be a wonder of, of can you – there hasn't been a whole lot of set plays within this offense. Can you run some stuff to get Shannon off a screen? Can you run some stuff to get Shannon an angle or an ISO or whatever it is? Not to say they don't run anything, but uh, sometimes it just seems kind of disorganized, and, and that's something that they can work on this week. Yeah, let's bring this up because I think we brought up this point before. Like This team, as it gels, we expect to go through growing pains. Freshmen playing a huge part on this team, though you do have veterans who have been through these wars. Um, but the coaching staff is going through growing pains of figuring out how do we best use this team. I think Brad is trying to figure out how to best motivate this team as well. But I think this coaching staff is going through growing pains of a new team as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know that Brad early on is kind of letting the letting it be a little bit more free and wanting this team to play with freedom and see how that is able to to work. And look when it when it's when it's going and they're making shots and the ball's moving, it, it's beautiful basketball. It's hard to guard. It's it's skilled. It's it's positionless as far as how many guys can put it on the deck. And we know that Coleman, when he's at his best, can really be a problem because he's that five man that can take it off the dribble, that can pass. I mean, he ends up with six assists today. I thought he was just a little erratic. He was a little sped up, loose with the ball, and and his shot his shot attempts were were not too pretty. A couple off the backboard, or at least one from three that wasn't good. But yeah, I, I, he's going to try. I think as this team goes further along in the season, as Brad figures it out more, as his team gets more cohesion, and, and Coleman's called it structured randomness, which there's still going to be some things, some intricacies to kind of figure out as far as cutting here, as far as like finding certain matchups. That, that stuff will figure itself out, and I do think that Brad will find some some quick actions, some some things to, to sprinkle in that will get it a little bit more on track as we go along. All right, this team has a week off before its next game. Uh, it's going to be another bye game coming up here uh, next Saturday at 3 p.m. What do you think the next week is going to be like, Derek, for this team? they got finals, they got stuff going on. Uh, but Brad Underwood went after them in, in the post-game press conference. I'm wondering how this team reacts to it. When they sign up for Brad Underwood, they know what kind of coach they're getting, and they're going to get that coach for the next couple of days in practice. Yeah, I know there are some limitations in finals week as far as how much they can practice, so I don't think you'll see maybe two-a-days every day as much as Brad would love to, to hit them with that. But uh, I'm sure there will be some conditioning, to say the least. But uh, I'll be interested to, to – know how they respond as far as the leadership goes. Uh, Shannon was someone that was talked about a ton going into the offseason about how great of a leader he was, how he was really taking that torch and wanted it, wanted the the, the pressure of that coming into a new situation. And uh, Brad gave the fart noise when you asked about how Shannon's leadership yeah. been. So that's that's a challenge to him and see how he handles that. I know that you know maybe you have you hear about the the old patented team meeting. And, and a players little, only meeting players only uh, a little bit. This would be it. This would be, I, I guess you maybe have one more loss. And, yeah. but if they play this way against like the Bragging rights game, this is when right. we've usually seen Brad exactly. Underwood question his team. We were talking about when's the last time Brad Underwood talked like this. And it was probably the year they lost to Missouri when Illinois went on to win the big 10 uh, tournament championship with Iowa and Kofi and all mm -hmm. those guys. Um, they lost that game and it was toughness and they had, you know, a week to, to sit there and practice that's probably the last time we, we've seen him go off like that. But those teams responded. We'll yeah. see how this one does. Yeah, I think they will. I mean, they're talented enough. They got older guys like Shannon and Meyer and, and Hawkins. 
Uh, I think they will. And I, I'm encouraged by how some of the freshmen played today. I mean, the fact that Sincere Harris is the one guy that just played balls to the wall, was everywhere. Ty had some good moments today, um, yeah. being able to score there in the lane. Season high six points for Ty Rogers. It's positive. It's positive. Epps wasn't as good. He he had a tough go today. Uh, Sky, I thought, took a couple of bad threes. But other than that, he did show his shot making, which kept Illinois in the game. But I think the older guys, I trust them to figure it out. And look, I mean, teams are going to go through some disappointing losses, some moments in the season when they get challenged, they get called out. And uh, if this is a, uh, something that lingers on, I mean, Alabama A&M, if they give you any kind of problems, that. That's a whole different conversation, but um, Missouri is really going to be the lit litmus test of how much you responded to this. Mm -hmm. And there's enough break in the schedule practice to be able to figure some things out and reset, and we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to some of your questions. Jake says, would we feel better about this team if they lost a close game versus Texas but blew out Penn State versus what actually happened? Listen, I like that you can go beat a team like Texas in a neutral site. Um, but I also think it's good for them to know they can lose to Penn State at home in front of a sold-out State Farm Center crowd on a weekend. I don't know. We could talk about that. Like, I, I still feel better that you beat a team like Texas. Yes. But you also are reminded today of what this team is capable of as well, which yeah. is losing to probably any team in the Big Ten besides maybe Minnesota. Yeah, if you flip the results, if Texas beats you by 15 and you you win in overtime to Penn State, I'll take, I'll take the other one. I'll take beating Texas in overtime, losing in a blowout fashion on your home floor to Penn State as much as that's tough to stomach. But this is not a question of, oh, are we not that good now? Are we not that talented? That's not a, that's not a question. It's just obviously with Brad, the leadership, the intensity, the approach, and then cleaning some schematic things up as you go along. Mark said, this is your typical Underwood team. Not necessarily a bad thing, but bet against them until mid-January. Then they turn it on. Yeah, I mean – I think this team is ahead of where a lot of Underwood teams have been because they've usually lost a lot of these non-conference big-time matchups. But they haven't started 0-2 in Big Ten play since his second season when this team was just overmatched physically and just not very talented uh, and very young with, with that freshman class of, of Iowa and all those guys. So, um, yeah, I still think this team's going to be very dangerous. They have a Big Ten schedule that is favorable. Um, but still, they got to be more consistent. And we expected, again, we expected some inconsistency from this team, especially early on, as they figured everything out. And they still haven't, of course, figured everything out. Yeah, they would have won this game, especially if you would have think about the point spread of a double-digit win and then beating Missouri as you'd be projected to. Then this would be a team that's further along than even teams that had a lot of returners and veterans and, and cohesiveness. So, uh, again, I, I think that taking a loss that is – unexpected disappointing was kind of kind of part of the outlook going in but doesn't mean it's it's easy to watch and, and stomach and obviously it wasn't for Brad today and uh didn't want even any players taking the mic today didn't feel like they deserved it uh, I was going to say that somebody Greg asked is TJ uh is TJ still feeling the effects of that collision don't know not able to ask him and Brad said hey you can ask these players about this well we didn't get the players after the game so that tells you how fired up Brad Underwood was. Hunyak said, how do you think the team will react to the fart noise? That, that's a sentence that was actually asked. How do you think the team will react to the fart noise? I don't know. It's going to be very uh, interesting to watch. I think they'll respond. Um, let's see here. Hopefully this embarrassing loss is a wake-up call for Illinois. I loved Underwood's post-game press conference uh, comments. I wonder what the split is because nationally, I think regionally, he's probably going to get a little backlash from that. 
um, kind of like Bielma a couple years ago, talking about his offensive line and saying it's not good enough on the two deep. I'm sure some of that will matter. Some of that will happen. I've seen my tweet blow up about that, Derek. But like, all that matters is what happens inside those walls. And and you would hope when you commit to play for a guy like Brad Underwood, got to deal with some of this stuff. You do. It's expected to know he's going to challenge you. Know that he's going to be hard on you when. It warrants it. I think we'll we'll find out. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and question like, well, I don't know if if his relationship with Shannon isn't that good, and he does that publicly, all of a sudden there's going to be a problem. I don't I don't worry about that. I, I would trust that Brad has a good litmus test of who he can challenge, who he can push, and you know Shannon's here for a reason. And the same thing with uh, Matthew Meyer, who's talked about. I mean, he's Matthew Meyer said going into the, today yesterday that hey, it's not hard for us to be humble because Brad's yelling at us every five seconds now. Uh, maybe every every two seconds going forward this upcoming week. But you, you understand how it's going to go. Um, Brad is very conscious of building the relationships and knowing guys who, who he can challenge and, and constructing his team. So um, until it's proven otherwise, I think that this group can handle it. He I, I don't know if he does that about Shannon unless he thinks Shannon can handle it. He does – try to motivate players differently through the press. Some guys he treats a little bit more with kid gloves, other guys um, he doesn't. Chad says, it's very frustrating being an Illini fan. It seems like anytime Illini sports gets some momentum and fan base gets excited, they fold. I, listen, I still think you should be excited about this basketball team. I think its ceiling is really high, but its floor right now is they can lose in the first or second round of the NCAA tournament, right? That, that, that can happen based on your matchup. Consistency is going to be the key moving forward for this team, especially, as we said, in a loaded Big Ten. I get it. Football, 7-1, chance to go to the Big Ten West Championship. That's a team that hasn't been there before. Guess what? This team hasn't been there before. The program has. The team hasn't. Um, so Matthew Meyer has been deep in a run. Terrence Chan's been deep in a run. Uh, Matthew Meyer's seen a couple conference championships. He's not the vocal leader of this team, though. Terrence Shannon is that guy. Um, Coleman Hawkins has got to be that guy. So got to rely on those guys a little bit. But this team as constructed has not been there either. I get the disappointment. But at the same time, you're about to play in the Rely Quest, which used to be the Outback Bowl. How many times you circled that? Eight-win team. And then you have three guys that actually played minutes for you last year on the basketball side. One is in a walking boot. And you've already beaten Texas and UCLA. Two top ten teams. So, yeah, today stunk for Illinois fans. Very disappointing. Uh, something that if it becomes a problem as far as being up and down, inconsistent, overlooking teams, like that's something that in March that can kill you. But we got a long time until then, and and we'll. I wouldn't overreact to that. I think times for Illinois fans are still pretty good. As much as today, uh, in front of a sold-out crowd, understandably, people were unhappy about that. Pretty good perspective there, Derek. It's supposed to be a rebuild year, and this team, if the season ended today, which it doesn't, they'd be a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament with two of the best wins uh, in the country. The problem with the uh, Illinois isolation defense is they're very poor on help and recovery. Yeah, we talked about that. Rudy said, I'm glad this is happening in December and not March. That's why you play a non-conference, or why, why you build this all up, and why Brad Underwood has challenged his team, and there's so many scenarios that can happen, including beating the number two team in the country and then losing as a ten-and-a-half-point favorite. That's what really the first part of the year in the season, 2022-23, that's what 2022 is about, is figuring out what you got and how you have to adjust. Right, and it's happening, again, not to excuse what happened today. Brad will call it inexcusable, but 
Creighton had a really good showing out in Maui and then lost to Nebraska. You're going to have some, some teams out there that are going to take some or have some puzzling results early on. It's just kind of the nature of, of early on in college basketball. But, yeah, you got to be able to, to take the fact you're 0-2 in the Big Ten now and take advantage of what we thought going in was a pretty favorable draw in terms of your scheduling and come back in January and start to, to get string some things together. You're going to play like out of the gates – Northwestern and Nebraska is two of your first road games. You got to win those, and you got to be able to to be more consistent. Because as you you tie it towards your end result, if, if you have a a complexity to to overlook teams or not get up, or if this is going to be a problem late in the year, then you can almost lose. Or I want to could have lost to Chattanooga last year, and he, he lost to Loyola, obviously. Um, but again, it's December. Uh, John said, heard Underwood mention multiple agendas. Do we think NBA stock is playing a role here? I thought Matthew Meyer rushed some shots. I, I thought he once he got going early, I thought some of those happened. I don't know. If, if TJ Shannon was trying to go for NBA things tonight, he wasn't doing a very good job because he wasn't taking the ball. I thought he could have been more aggressive. I thought that was an interesting comment uh, by Brad Underwood. I just think he was frustrated with his team, and I think his team was not focused, right, and, and didn't give the effort they need to. Um, so I, I don't know exactly what he meant with agendas, but I just think it means his team wasn't cohesive today. Yeah, Brad would know it better than we would as far as if there is something really underlining there. But I just think he's trying to push buttons. Yeah. And I, I think there's no problem with that after a loss like this, especially when they have time to, to sit on it and knowing the next opponent is a week away and one that you should – it's a cupcake game that you should blow them out. So uh, pushing some buttons, while there might be some truth to that, again, he would, he would know that better than we would on the outside. But, yeah, I, if Shannon took – 28 shots and only made five of them and like oh yeah he's he was just trying to get his I, I didn't get that sense at all uh I don't know yeah uh my red pillow said coach putting it all on his players and not any of his defense deficiencies that is bs he did say a couple times that's on me I got to figure it out I do I did think it was interesting that he was talking about I saw this coming uh the two days of practice he can't play of course but if you saw this coming how do you it's your job to stop it, right? And he didn't push the right buttons apparently the last couple of days, and we'll see if he can push the right buttons and make the adjustments uh, that this team needs to make, Derek, to, to stop these big lulls in games. And, you know, it's been offensively more than anything, but today it was those defensive lulls where you get so close, um, but you gave Penn State a 47 points in the first half. That You're not going to win many games. You give up 47 points in one half. Definitely not. I know that Brad initially came out really hot and heavy on it. Obviously, his leadership, just the lack of effort, lack of execution. But then as it went on, I mean, he took he took ownership. He said that, hey, it's my job to get these guys ready, and I failed them, and I got to do a better job. So it's not like he completely dodged that part of the responsibility. I did ask him about, and, and Brad wasn't really interested in X's and O's conversations today, but I asked him about, did you think your switching was problematic at times? Which I, I'll tell you, I, I think it has been when you look at – Maryland and Penn State uh, and he did mention that last year they didn't switch and Pickett got his against Trent Frazier and when Kofi's playing drop coverage which is true uh, but I think that it's not like Brad just completely set through his hands up and says not it's not on me it's it's on these guys he took some ownership as well when you make Penn State I, I know they've lost a couple games here man but I think Mike is Shrewsbury special I, I think he's a really good guy. We liked Pat Chambers at Penn yeah, State before all that stuff went down. He had a toughness to him. But uh, Shrewsbury, the X's and O's is what I love. Uh, you know, Chambers was built on toughness, kind of out-toughing you, mucking up a game. 
Um, Shrewsbury's group, I mean, this is the best Penn State offense I think we've seen. Um, you know, Taylor Battle could go off back in the day. They had a couple guards that, that were really, really good. But one through five, the way they were able to spread you out, get threes, run through picket, basically playing the five uh, point center for them. That's a, that's a fun team that I know Penn State doesn't get fans with basketball very much, but that's a team that's going to cause some problems uh, in the Big Ten. I don't know if they win 10 games or what it is, but they're going to have a chance, uh, I, I think, to, to compete for the NCAA tournament this season because it's an old team, it's a tough team, and it's a skilled team. He deserves a lot of credit. Last year, even the way they rallied late in the season, I think they finished with seven wins, seven and, and whatever, 13 in the Big Ten. They upset Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament, won a couple of games, and got to to Friday. Uh, I think when you look at that last year and then this year, they can credit to him as far as understanding that they weren't going to have a bruiser inside. They had to be different. They had to do something different, and, and they went out in the portal and they got some shooters. When you look, they got Funk and they got Winter, guys that can really shoot it, um, and leaned into this, we're just going to play five out and we're going to play small ball and we're just going to counter the the old school brand of basketball in the Big Ten. I'll just, I would just be glad and thrilled that you took Amani Hansberry away from them because they were in pole position for him. And can you imagine, now obviously some of the other pieces are going to change for them because they got a bunch of guys that are going to graduate, but Amani is that small ball five, skilled, space the floor, uh, and then put shooters around him. And they, they have some of that. They're not as good of a defensive team as maybe we yeah. are accustomed to with Penn State, but uh, their offense and, and Jalen Pickett, who – got snubbed by some people. I know the athletic, he wasn't on the, the first or second team. I know that Chucky Hepburn and Xavier Johnson was on there over, over him. I think that was a, uh, I think that was a mistake. I think he's the best point guard in this league. He's obviously the most productive one at that spot. And probably the guy right now that TJ Shannon is competing most with for all big 10 honors, right? Yeah. Like we know four of the guys that are going to be on there, yeah. Edie Dickinson, Trace Jackson Davis and Chris Murray. So it's a fight for that fifth spot right now. Jalen Pickett might have it over Shannon. He's averaging nearly a triple-double, so that's really uh, impressive. I know that Dante Scott maybe is a little bit in that conversation too, but um, I thought Penn State last year, just in terms of like coaching and scheme and everything, Penn State had the best game plan and execution against Kofi of any team last year. The way they were able to double-team him, they, they left DeMonte wide open. Now, of course, if DeMonte was the, the version of himself the year before and he knocks down four threes, then it's probably a different conversation. But they made a gamble of leaving like DeMonte and Coleman open. It paid off, and they nearly pulled an upset here. And then today, I think that they did a great job of, of, sw of playing into Illinois switches, getting what they wanted, staying patient, because a lot of times it would be late in the clock where Pickett would finally get his post up. And it, it worked really well for them. So I thought he had a great game plan, execution, and I like what they're doing. I'm looking at the schedule, Derek. This sets up for you to bounce back, okay? You got Alabama A&M next Saturday. You get a week off. Then you get five days off before you get Missouri. Huge game. You take care of that. You're feeling a little bit better about yourself. Bethune-Cookman on the 29th, your last bye game, last non-conference game. They start at Northwestern for Big Ten play. Obviously not a good team. Wisconsin at home, not easy. Uh, we know what Wisconsin does, but then at Nebraska. That's a, that's a seven-game stretch, six-game stretch where, where you can really grow as a team, gain some confidence before uh, you get a little bit tougher into the schedule of Michigan State, Indiana, Ohio State, all at home here in January. Um, big stretch ahead to, to learn a little bit more about this team. We know they can beat anybody, but we know they're inconsistent. Right, and let's all – 
get in front of the couch or on, not in front of the couch on the couch in front of the TV to watch Missouri and Kansas this afternoon to see <laughs> what this Missouri squad is really all about. They haven't really played anybody up to this point. We'll see what type of challenge Dennis Gates squad will ultimately pose against the Illini. But there's no doubt as far as the favorable stretch to get right, the early return games to the Big Ten as far as going on the road, uh, pay or it should you should be able to take advantage of that. And even like you said, the ones that are challenging are on your home floor, the Wisconsin and Michigan State and some of those. Now, to I was going back and digging through the records. Illinois in the previous three seasons were 24-6 and six at home in Big Ten play. So they, they were 8-2 and two in the Big Ten at home in the previous three years, all three seasons. You've already taken one of those losses. That's a key of, of guarding, your, guarding your yard, being able to hold down the fort at home if you want to win a Big Ten title, already taking – a loss at home is, is obviously going to make it – we're going to have to make it up by beating Indiana, those type of teams on your home floor. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. All you guys on the YouTube channel know it wasn't as uh, happy today on the YouTube channel. I'm hearing other post games are pretty spicy everywhere it is. A tough loss, disappointing loss for Illinois, 74-59. Uh, give us a like, follow wherever you uh, get us on the uh, podcast end as well as the YouTube channel. And read all our content coming up at IlliniInquirer.com about Illinois basketball. Did post something about Illinois football, another official visitor, transfer official visitor. It's going to be very busy with Illinois football recruiting coming up, so check us all out at Illini Enquirer. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.